fictional band is called Johnny Casino and the Gamblers. And in the movie, it was played by Sha Na Na. Okay, so, but uh, he was quoted, Jim Jacobs was quoted saying, I based Johnny Casino, it was basically based on Ral Donner. Ral used to play all the high school dances. His band would always play. He yeah. said, and he was so great. So he said, so basically Johnny Casino is Ral Donner. He's about so it's not that big of a leap to make the assumption that your father is responsible for a lot of teenage pregnancies by performing at all those dances. <laughs> <laughs> we freeze red lights on and, we, oh, and then we're all just like freeze in place like <laughs> first time i was it, ever, said, it said freeze stop i'm just you know. uh first time i was ever able to start one of their shows instead of just sitting there watching it yeah you, you're used to sitting in the audience and waiting for them to start and they had to wait for us to start yeah you're watching the beside the point podcast live stream on uh on the week of valentine's day happy valentine's day everybody it's the day of valentine's day so welcome for thanks for watching and tuning in we're fashionably late but we're here and we have two brothers that uh have some rock and roll royalty in their blood and we wanted to talk to them about their dad ral donner um who was a very famous not very famous in the big picture but famous to all of us and Famous, has, famous has, to yeah, a lot of people of that era. Like, should have been way more famous. And we're going to talk about him with his two sons. We got Ral Jr. and Eric. What's Donner. up, everybody? Hey, guys. So. Um, happy Valentine's Day, ladies. Thanks. Just ladies, though. Just the ladies. <laughs> <are happy. laughs> yeah, how are you guys? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's the last show of yours I ever go see. Oh, <laughs> We're All getting, right, I'll we're doing that right. So we should warn people that we're going to be throwing. To, Tony's going to be the one throwing the jabs at everybody. Hey, verbal jabs. Wow. Um, no, we're uh, we're glad to have you guys on. We've been talking for uh, for some time about having you on, and I said, "What about your dad's birthday? He would have been what seventy eight this week." Yep. So we were like, "Let's let's put it on his birthday or right. the week of his birthday, and you know, kind of celebrate his." Uh, his legacy a little bit and then just have some fun and chit chat with you guys about, you know, your stuff that you guys are doing now or recently and all that sort of thing. So, um, where do we want to start? Do we want to, do we have any point we want to start off on, on the bat? I'll let you kind of Tony's going to his notes. This leave. is going to be good. I hope you guys are awake. I want to know how much of this is, is legit. Um, I or, printed a biography of Raul Donner. <laughs> It's 11 pages long. Instead of just keeping it on a tablet, you decided to print. It was yeah. easier for me to print. He's it. old school. Yeah, yeah, old school all the way. But I was, I was actually fascinated yeah. with everything I've read about your father. That, if it's that long, then that's probably the, the right one. That's probably the good one that you want to read. All right. The one by Terry Wilson? Yes. Yeah, yeah Terry it. Wilson. And I, try, and I talked to Terry. If, if Terry, if you're watching, uh, shout out. Uh, I tried to get him on, but he wasn't feeling up to it. But... Um, but yeah, that was a very, very well written 
there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on that bone sure <laughs> on this on yeah. this uh when we'll share the link with that for sure but um yeah, there's a lot was, of yeah little it was a, a it's a really he did a well job of writing this stuff out um i was i was impressed by everything i read on here from when he started at age three all the way till when he was finished after after seeing you know him meeting with elvis presley it's like wow and i think everybody knows the music they just don't realize they don't connect it to is what i don't think they have because here's something i told my father i had him listen to the song um you don't know what it's like he told me him and my mother used to dance to this song all the time <laughs> on the radio yeah you don't know what you've got yeah i all right so i said the right you know he highlighted the questions but he didn't enlarge the font i don't know songs that well the other one was the Bee Gees, or well, no. you don't know what it's like that's behind blue eyes that's another yeah. man that's something else. That's the who. well yeah that definitely wasn't bg's no yeah. and and you don't know what you've got it's actually one of my favorite songs that you guys play and friday we just happened to um go and see eric at uh moretti's and barlett and cool. just as i was talking about eric huh continue oh and it just as as we were talking about that song all of a sudden he started playing it oh <laughs> <laughs> It was like I said. That's just. I think that's actually my favorite song, but it's not. Can I ask you a question? Just play with my buttons. Yes, as you're doing your buttons, I had a question for our two Donner boys here today. We appreciate you coming on. Um, do you feel like social media has made it easier for people to not only find your father's music, but also share stories or share memories? I mean, that had to have been huge for you guys in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, there's been a lot of that, you know, the, like you said, the sharing of his music. Um, and there have been a lot of people, um, you know, when Ral and I post something, a lot of people go on there and, uh, they'll, they'll put up stories, you know, I used to hang out with your dad back in the day. I saw him play here. Yeah. There. It's really cool to connect with, you know, some of the old friends and, and, and a lot of the old fans. Yeah. Um, I mean, not only that, just, uh, just a few years ago, um, Speaking of sharing the music, um, and another point that isn't in that biography, but uh, Robert Plant, all the Led Zeppelin fans out there, Robert Plant basically idolized the two main singers in his life were, were, uh, were Elvis and our father, Ral Donner, and uh, not necessarily in that order. He talks about our dad <laughs> way more than he talks about Elvis, especially these days. Yeah, he um, mentioned and so my point is that he, he uh, yeah. literally on his Twitter account, he went up and posted a, a YouTube clip of, of one of our dad's biggest hits uh, from back in the day, which is uh, just, you know, mind-blowing, you know? Yeah, that's a trip. So, wow. Yeah. And sharing his music. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been really cool. Yeah, I mean, I remember being at Trash Prancini shows or um, or acoustic shows and stuff like that, and there's there have been people that have not only been following you guys but have memories of going to see your dad or buying his records or singles, and, and that's got to be just such a cool feeling to see – uh, somebody who's been not only been following you guys, but, but following dad too. I mean, that, that's, that's just such a huge compliment. I imagine. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, every artist, I don't care who you are, Madonna, you know, the biggest ones, they go from being huge and then, you know, it trails off at some point, but then, you know, it always comes back. 
So, yeah, social media had a lot to do with it, uh, with the fans being able to connect. Uh, they pass it down to their kids. But a lot of his uh, famous fans, like Eric said, uh, Robert Plant, John Lennon, um, Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols just wrote about him in his uh, autobiography last year, I think it was, mm -hmm. last year, the year before. Mm -hmm. uh, Slim Jim Phantom, drummer for the Stray Cats, uh, just did an interview with uh, Mark Goodman, the original, or one of the original MTV VJs. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. he was telling people he's on uh, whatever his show is, Little Steven's Garage, or I think it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, they do a lot on Sirius on XM. Serious, yep, because Mark yeah, so, yeah. the '80s stuff, and then he go, he jumps on other stations too, right? Yeah. right. That's well, another Slim thing. Jim, yeah, Slim Jim was uh, telling people to call in. He's like, "You got to hear Ral Downer. I'll play whatever you want to hear." You know, so I mean, that's huge as far as promotion goes. And even years ago, I remember getting royalty uh, statements. You know, a stack this big, and I mean, every country you could imagine is on there. Places like Saudi Arabia, places you'd never think in a million years. You know, his records are being played now, and they are everywhere. I remember hearing once you said, like, Australia, like, just places where you're like, man, they have a totally different pop climate, but yeah. a, a song can can make its way over there, even even back then. I mean, that's just yeah. really cool. I mean, he was huge here, but uh, in England, he's still a huge. People message us all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very cool. Absolutely. And, uh, and even with me, I bought um stuff that you know some of his albums or cds rather and some of his 45s yeah you can sure. you can go on ebay and find like the the best of the collection of you know it's a yeah. compilation yeah. yeah and there's we were me and tony were actually talking on the way here all these like bootlegs and like different um uh versions of you know like somebody just made a, a greatest hits cd based on like just some <laughs> in yep. japan or uk didn't you didn't you show it to these guys and it was like oh that was from japan or something <laughs> yeah i showed it to both of them i brought the, the cd and a couple of the cds i bought and they said it was it was a bootleg but it still had the music on there so it's like i yeah. still play those yeah well he's known as uh one of the most bootlegged artists of all time actually mm -hmm. huh. there's been a million bootlegs yeah, you know, I mean, people are clamoring for his music, and they, they, you know, really for new stuff. Yeah, I mean, not new yeah. stuff, but unreleased stuff, I should yeah. say. That's what I saw was sure. you go on eBay or even on you know Amazon or places where you can just buy music, and it was like all these greatest hits or you know just you know. Or how many times like an artist like him, where singles were a big part of his his rise. That like, was yeah. Was was a B side released in one country but not in the other, and then all of a sudden you have a whole country of fans that never got the b-side so now they're looking for imports you know that kind of stuff not just with with, yeah, right. with, with any artist back then because you look a huge at, thing you look at the history of like music and things whatever which we won't we don't have time to get into all but not necessarily but the kind of justification for an album was all these singles and wanting to put them all on one thing and i don't did he put out a lot of albums or he was he he was a singles i mean he had a couple albums but there's yeah, not, there's not as many as as any you know another artist would would have perhaps. Back then it was all about singles, right? Yeah, he was he came up in the early '60s when it was, you know, singles and you know when the when the Beatles came along and have obviously Elvis and everything else that was around at that time, he was, you know, recording singles and songs written by other people. Hey, here's a hit. Here, record this song. They would throw it at you. Like, he must have been on yeah. the road touring like crazy to promote. Whatever yeah. he was, whatever he was releasing at that point, it had to have been a lot of travel, I imagine. Oh yeah, for sure. 
He did his very first tour with uh, Tony Orlando. Oh wow! Yeah, there was more people on on the on the tour, but I don't remember. Without Dawn, just Tony Orlando, or was yeah, it... that's before Dawn was born. <laughs> <Before> right. <laughs> yeah. Dawn was just a glimmer in someone. I don't know eye. if there's been multiple Dawns. Is is like is he just but walking I'm around Dawn, with a Dawn is he walking around with a bottle of like you know kitchen cleaner on a st- on a stand and then he now uh, was it was it a lot of artists on the same label that were traveling and playing different cities you know day to day or week to week? I mean, it seems like from what I've my limited knowledge that was the regular thing where if you were on the yeah. same label, they would take their top four, five, six artists and put them on the road. Uh, no, not, not with him. No? Okay. So I want to hear no, it was the biggest stars. Bingo, yeah. They didn't go by what label you're on. They went by who the biggest stars were. Who was selling records. Okay. Right. It's kind of who right. knew who too, I guess too. Right. Yeah. Probably like, you know, they ran into Tony Orlando or he ran into Tony Orlando somewhere or somebody from something and Got word it. of mouth and booking agent, whoever said, Hey, you should be on this tour or some stuff like that. Was that like something they were doing? Well, yeah. I mean, back then, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you exactly how it worked, <laughs> but I mean, whoever put these tours together, they went for the biggest stars, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So Tony, you got a question on there? I no. saw you were going is there, over your Is there any like other? I, w- I was looking to see nuggets. who. I wanted. I wanted to go on through this. I'm sure you guys have seen this and checked through it already, but fact checked. <laughs> I was like, is this true or not? <laughs> like somebody wrote a biography. Is this real? Do you know if yeah. this? Well, like you said, there's there's so much uh, stuff in that biography that it. Some of. I mean, it's it's incredible to read. It, some of it almost doesn't seem real because he did so much. Um, you know, back then at such a young age too. You know, so there's. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, I had a question yeah. I never got to ask you guys before. Um, how did how did it or walk me through like what happened when I know there was a TV movie for Elvis and and your dad was actually the one who recorded the vocals and did the music for it. Is there he, something he does like the voiceover. Does the voiceover? Okay. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I heard like bits and pieces of that from different people, but it sounded really interesting. I was just curious how that came came to light. Well, he. Uh... <laughs> that's kind of funny too because uh he was sick at the time they called him to do the movie okay. uh he he had done an album they, they thought about doing a play um it was all elvis's original musicians that he started with scotty moore dj fontana and the jordanaires wow uh they came to him and and you know they wanted to do a uh like a tribute to their friend you know what i mean so uh the initial idea was for a play and then they ended up changing it to a double album, which is, uh, it's set up as Elvis is there telling you his life story. Wow. And, uh, the soundtrack is clips of 50 songs and it's just, it's amazing. It's the greatest thing ever done. What was the yeah. name of that? Was there a, there was a name of that, right? Uh, yeah, it was called, uh, well, 1935 to 1977. I've been away for a while now. I've been away for, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, cool. Um, Warner Brothers, or, you know, heard that album, and then uh, they called him to to come and do the narration on uh, This Is Elvis. I think it was, like, 1981. Yeah, and how cool for them to get, like, an actual performer and, like, a well-known name to do it and not just somebody that was only doing Elvis stuff. They got, like, a talented person to, to actually do that, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was known 
kind of as sounding like Elvis, but he was he was known for more than that. He wasn't just an Elvis impersonator. Right, or and it would have been so easy he for was, him to yeah. go and grab someone that uh -huh. just did that, but they got someone that had their own following and had a name and had had recognition, and that was really cool. Very, very yeah, cool. listen, anybody that calls him an Elvis impersonator is a yeah. nut job. Right, because that, I, that, mean, I mean, that's you know, what I'm saying. He's another level above that as far right. as he's not just... Way. Elvis was yeah. a Ral Donner fan. And <laughs> exactly. Yep. In, 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 you know, like people like Robert Plant and those guys, they, they're not going to idolize, you know, they're going to idolize the real deal. That's right. what I was going to bring up next, actually. I don't know if you guys have any insight into this, but I was wondering that, too. Did Elvis get his any of his style or any of his little inflection? Uh, yeah. Like starting to do this certain way yeah. of singing. watching each other from, for, for style. Because it wasn't that yeah. he was sounding like Elvis as much. They were around at the same time. So he and Elvis were doing the same thing together. You can listen to those earlier records that Elvis did, and he's a little higher register. Hey, that's all right, mama. And then he gets down here and he's like, oh, was he watching? Was he watching what Ral was doing? And was like, I'm going to say. No, I wouldn't say that. He was a big fan of his. Elvis had our dad's records on his jukebox at home. Sure. So yeah, how, much, how much of that is really, yeah. Like he was just the famous guy because he was Elvis. And so he took, <laughs> but they had a similar sound. Yeah. And it wasn't like one or the other. Yeah. With your contemporaries. That's, <laughs> right. that's really but what there's, there's, there's still a huge difference. I mean, his first, yeah. his first hit record uh, was an Elvis song. He went in and uh, did a demo, uh, the one Elvis tune. And uh, let's see, Ray Charles. And then I forget what else. I think there was a Conway Twitty tune he did on there. And uh, the record company heard it. In Elvis's version, wasn't released as a single. It was on uh, the Elvis's back album, the first album he did when he got out of the army, and uh, it was just an album track, mm -hmm. you know. So they wanted our dad to record it, and he said no. You know, he said it's an Elvis song. It, nobody had touched an Elvis song up until my dad, our dad, I should say, recorded that. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was like taboo. Nobody would touch it. They were afraid. You know yeah. what I mean? He didn't want to do it because. Uh, he said, hey, I'm here to make my own name. I'm not here to do anybody else's songs. But when you're 18 years old and your record company is, uh, is let's just say, as uh, connected as you get in New York, you sure. do what they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out to be his biggest hit. And when you listen to His Girl and My Best Friend and Elvis's, I mean, it, they said that Elvis was so hung up on his version, he used to play it over and over and over and over again. Uh, so... I mean, that just goes to show you how great it was right there. That the original guy who did the song loved yours so much, you know, I mean. Yeah, he's probably thinking, man, that's, like, that's what I was going for. That's how I should have done it. He's like kind of doing that, you know, musician thing in his head. Like, man, he, I had, I did it this much, like 78%, but he nailed it, you know, kind of a thing where he's got that going on his yeah. head. But he's, yeah, there's always one version know, that'll stand out when you get a song that's performed. By like when somebody artists. writes a song cool. and then Rod Stewart or somebody sings and they're like, man, that's what I was going for. Well, but look I, at all the songs Dylan recorded like and then other Bob people Dylan, yeah. take the ball yeah. and run with it. Or, right? Yeah. Right. We were talking Actually, about also sorry to interrupt. Another thing yeah. on that song though, on Girl My Best Friend was that um, you know, like like Ralph said, our dad's version of it ended up becoming a much bigger hit than Elvis's. I think they might have released as a single in the UK, but it wasn't even a, a big hit even over there. Yeah, but I don't think that was until nineteen seventy six. Oh, oh I just read that recently. I oh. thought maybe it came out in the sixties, but I don't really wasn't anything. But so the, the cool thing is though, is that um, another great story about that song is just a few years back, 
2015 or 2016, um, it was, uh, they took our dad's version, not Elvis's, they took our dad's version and used it in a major motion picture, uh, uh, a, mo a movie with Nicolas Cage and Willem Dafoe. Uh, it was called Dog Eat Dog. And uh, they used, they put our dad's version in, in the movie and it was, uh, it was really, really cool. And that just goes to show. Um, you know, they could have easily picked Elvis's version, but our dad was so much better and such a big, you know, just much bigger. This was. I got it up on the screen. While you're pulling that up, people pretty there, much can't it's, stand. It's the that. opening scene of the movie entering a strip joint. So well, it's about eight minutes to watch it. So for the yeah, adults right, out right, there, yeah. not for the kids <laughs> out there. The adults out there. Hey, kids, want to watch a movie with us? It's a strip club scene. First. <laughs> Just close your eyes and listen. This is your yeah. grandfather, kids. Look at this. This is I I think I literally did an exact thing. I think I put it on and said, all right, wait, close your eyes. And I said, listen. <laughs> close your eyes. Just picture yeah, Big Brother Ral being like, keep your eyes closed. Yeah, right, exactly. Eric, don't look. Just listen. Exactly. Right, I got it up on the screen right now. Gone Records. This guy started a record. I read up a little bit about this guy, too. I didn't dig into it, but... This guy just started his own record label, Gone Records, and then uh, yeah, nineteen Elvis Presley music because it was already recorded by Elvis. Everything Elvis did, he just had his like <laughs> tag on it. Well, you so, understand, Colonel Parker was a genius. Yeah, right. And you know, he said, if you want Elvis to record your song, he gets half the publishing. Yep. So if you wrote a huge hit and you wanted Elvis to record it, you had to give up half your money, or Colonel Parker wouldn't let him do it probably one of the only artists to ever have i mean he didn't really write a lick of any song he wrote, did a little bit of things but he yeah, but he bought got, he's got his credit songwriting credit on everything yeah. he ever anything he ever sang they just grabbed it and put it in his catalog i saw yeah. a question just pop up guys and i wanted to ask you because i think it's a great question um was there an artist that you recall your dad being able to tour with or maybe like a favorite artist that he was able to tour with someone that he really enjoyed performing with so that was this week, February 17th, 1961, was when that song came yeah. out. Oh, wow. Very cool. But go ahead, yeah. That is cool. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were a ton of them. Um, Jackie Wilson was a huge one, Ral, right? Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, we've got uh, one of Jackie Wilson's shirts. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and it's monogrammed with yep. a JW on it. Very cool. Uh, um, oh, wow. You know, you know, everybody knows Jackie Wilson on stage. Uh He's known as being, you know, a mover and a great dancer. And you know yeah. what I mean? So he'd really work up a sweat. So when he'd come <laughs> off stage, he'd rip his shirt off, you know. And so when my dad uh, did shows with him, I think it was the Paramount Theater in New York, I believe. Um, he was young. I think he was like 15 at the time around there. But, you know, it's amazing because our dad uh, did amazing things before he even had a hit record. I mean, he played with Jerry Lee Lewis and Chuck Berry and Jackie Wilson, you know, before he even had a hit, it was unbelievable. Sammy Davis Jr. is the one that basically discovered him here in Chicago. Yep. But uh, anyway, so Jackie comes off stage and whipped off his shirt. And, you know, our dad idolized this guy. He said, hey, man, can I have that? And he said, yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And uh, Eric and I just found it when we had at our grandfather's house. Was it 10 years ago or so? Oh, that's very cool. Very cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Sammy Davis Jr.? was another another huge one that uh he played with back in the day we've got we've got pictures of them uh you can actually see it on the on Ral, the Ral Donner uh Facebook page if you go on there there's tons of great pics of him the pics like Ralph said about when he played with Chuck Berry with Jerry Lee Lewis 
but uh, really cool. And with Dion is that, you know, when you, uh, uh, the old photo booths and they brought them back now, they're digital, but the old booth, yeah. you probably, back then you probably put in like a nickel or a dime and you get in the booth to take four pictures and you wait, it develops and they come out, they're black and white. So him and uh, my, our dad and Dion went in there and they're taking shots and I, I'd imagine they probably had a couple drinks in them because they were kind of being <laughs> you can tell they were having a blast and they so they went in and took the four shots and came out and then they they, they took the the uh, the strip and they tore it in half and Dion kept two he took the one half and our dad kept the other and we still have it to this day you can see our half uh we've never seen the other half that Dion has but uh but you can see those pictures on his Facebook page, and they're, they're really cool. Wow, awesome. Just a really cool thing. Yeah, to, here's the thing. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, but, I mean, he, he looked up to uh, a lot of the people he, he toured with. I mean, B.B. King, uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips, the Drifters. I mean, these are all artists that he loved. Roy Orbison, Gene Pitney. There's a show uh, poster right there. You can see our dads on the same bill with Sam Cooke, Dion. There you go. Yeah, Gladys Knight, you just said, B.B. King, all of the Drifters. So yeah, yeah. I heard you do some Sam Cooke in your sets, and that's, uh, that's so yeah, cool. We yeah. always do. He's yeah, always yeah. been one of my favorites, Eric, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every night. I mean, his voice is just amazing. And if you listen to early Rod Stewart, he was trying to be Sam Cooke, and he sounded a lot like him. Yep. When totally. He started. Totally. Yeah, that's another thing. I mean, we, we talk a lot about Elvis, but, you know, there's so many other great artists, obviously, from that era. He kind of outshined a lot of people, and it's like you got Sam Cooke and Jackie Wilson you were just talking about. There's so many awesome singers and performers of that era. I mean, it was a it's just such a big era it for holds up, holds Dion up really and the Belmonts well. yeah. and everybody on that. I mean, everybody on this, on this uh, list is like a solid, you know, in my eyes anyway, Dion and Red and D Clark, BB oh, yeah. King has, you know, had his own thing, the drifters. I mean, that's a, I would love to go back in time and go to that concert. I was going to say, that's a pretty <laughs> sweet lineup. And, to be a sweet and I mean, other people too. I mean, he, he played with buddy Holly. They were on the same bill. Like I said, Tony Orlando, and you mentioned, uh, uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn, you know, uh, Dawn were the two backup singers, right? Yeah. Well, the one girl was Malona from Good Times in the 70s, too. Yeah. There's a little trivia for you. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> when he uh, went with Chuck Berry, he that was at the Chicago Civic Opera House. Yeah. Eight. So, yeah, he went, he played with Chuck Berry. You said, that, yeah, when yeah. he. 15 years old. Berry, yeah. Can you imagine 15 years old and seeing all these people that were. Right, great rock stars at that time. Yeah, and there was even more of a mystique back then because it wasn't like they were all over the place. You'd see them maybe on television. Yes. And you'd hear them on singles and on the radio. Right. So for a 15-year-old to be around them and hold his own, pretty pretty impressive. Right. Well, yeah. he did the, yeah, he did the, the Apollo Theater. Wow. Okay, so yeah, he was jumping on stage and people, all these people, so he's like 15 and all these people are seeing him uh, perform and yeah. they're like right. blown away and making by... making an impression, yeah. and not just fading away. This 15-year-old kid you know, is... This guy was sticking yeah. in their mind as an entertainer. Yep. You know? Well, the Apollo Theater is a pretty legendary thing because uh, he was playing a place, he started in like 57, at, he went to Taft High School here in Chicago in... Uh, he was doing, a, you know, the high school dances, whatever. Then uh, he started playing a couple clubs, doing matinee shows. So one of them, there was a famous supper club, um, downtown Chicago, called the Chez Paris. 
And he was playing there doing the matinee shows, and they used to have the big stars come and play at night. So Sammy Davis Jr. was playing uh, the one weekend, and he came in early and caught his matinee show and loved them and said, man, you got to come with me. You know, people need to see you. So he got him on the Steve Allen uh, TV show. Now you got some Huge other show. That was a really big show. I was, I was digging around trying to find like a clip or something to that. And it was yeah. like, it's hard to find any, it's, it's really hard to find any like video. There's a lot of right. YouTube out there, but it's like a still shot of but him Steve doing a concert. Allen, that's but, a big yeah. deal. That's a that, real trying to deal. find some good. Video that was footage. April of 1958. Cause Red Fox was there. Steve Allen. Oh my God. You know what? I'm glad you said that. I forgot one of my all time favorites. Sanford and son. That's right. Yeah, Red Fox. <laughs> he, he played the Apollo Theater with Red Fox. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And listen, at that time, white performers did not play the Apollo Theater. No. Uh, no. That's so that just didn't happen. No, that, that's insane for him to be playing at the Apollo at 15 years old or whatever, how is whatever age he was. And, you know, at that time of our, you know, lives of our history, history of, our, right. of our country here. Wow. So, yeah. Well, Sammy Davis got him in there. Right. And uh, he went up and he brought the house down. And when he walked off stage, and it's, uh, I've even got clips. Irv Cups in it, used to write for the Sun Times. Uh, we still got the clips. Uh, when he walked off stage, Sammy, uh, Sammy Davis looked at him and said, Kid, you just fought World War III and won. <laughs> because Buddy Holly was the only other white performer to play there. And oh. it was like the year before him. Wow. Yeah, like like I said, I read this article and it tells all this stuff. And it's like to see somebody this young doing all these things that nobody ever did it was amazing. Does it make you regret not doing more when you were young, Tony? What I did, you don't want to know about. Okay, all right, that's for another. That's for another <laughs> podcast. That got very dark. Oh yeah, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> the jacket's got a dark side. The jacket's got a dark side. <laughs> the inside of the jacket is very. <laughs> it's right. got a dark <laughs> lining. Okay, we're talking about old and young. Right. Made me think yeah. of another question. Yeah, you're both you're both uh, proud parents, and I have to ask: Do you see the music bug or the music gene uh, in your children? Uh, do you see that? starting to sprinkle or sprout as they get older oh yeah I, the I time they were are, yeah are, are uh are kind of starting to get there to take a yeah. little bit but ral's kids right off the bat right is, is uh, his first two boys i mean from from birth they were both drummers and now they're guitar players yeah uh, <laughs> bass players they they do it all i mean they're they See what right. you get accomplished when you lock your kids in their room and won't let them out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's cool to hear. I mean, the enthusiasm you guys have when you're talking about your father, uh, and then obviously your kids growing up in a house full of music um, is really cool. You know, that's something that that not everybody can experience. So it's nice to see that they're they're kind of uh, drawn to the same things you guys are are drawn to as kids. And even on when Eric was doing the live. Uh, broadcast during this oh yeah COVID. yeah his daughters were chiming in too on it yeah that yeah, was awesome they, they all of them they did a great job on it well that's if one of them makes cool. it then they can take care of us for the rest of our lives so we're that's good right we just gotta, yeah. you know what i mean just keep popping them out and eventually the work it's you're just playing the odds guys i love it that's great just keep having them and see what happens <laughs> that's all you can do but here you know what going back to your question about uh the elvis thing uh, you know, if Elvis took anything from him, there was one thing he did, and that was his big uh, logo, taking care of business, TCB. Everybody knows. I mean, that's Elvis's, you know, thing. But uh, our dad's first album that had all his hits on it, as a matter of fact, uh, 
Start. It was one of the only albums back then. It may have been the first one. I mean, mm -hmm. even when we were kids, you buy a Motley Crue album, there's eight songs on it. You know what I mean? That's how albums were. You get eight sure. songs, 10 if you're lucky. He had 14 tracks. He had so much good material. They, they stuffed 14 tracks on the album. And that was called Taking Care of Business. That's the original. That's so cool. Wow. So, yeah, and that, that's about eight years that. before Elvis used it. Right. That is so cool. Um, I also wanted to ask you a question too. When, when he started to uh, appear on American Bandstand, I know that was something as well that you guys have mentioned just in our conversations over the years, but um, do you remember when he started on there or what the first song was that brought him to that, to that opportunity or anything like that? I want to say Girl and My Best Friend, right, Rel? Okay. Yeah, he was on American Bandstand four times. Four times. Four times. There's not a lot of people that can say that. Yeah, that's that's really right. something. Right. And you see, you know, you talk about you can't find the video. A bunch of, uh, you know, that they they archive those uh, shows on something called kinescopes, and somebody stole a ton of them. Uh -huh. So of course, all our all four of our dad's appearances were stolen. Mm -hmm. But I talked to the people at Dick Clark Productions, and they said they thought they knew who had them, and they were trying to get them back. That was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now. Was so it? Uh, had to get a hold of them again, see if they ever found them. Would it, would it would have been when the show was in Philadelphia, correct? Right. Okay, yeah, before, because I know late, the later shows, I remember even watching when they had limited, like, reruns and stuff, they were, they were they, they relocated it to L.A., but I know the earlier shows were in Philadelphia, and that was, uh, that was cool, too, because you did have a lot of, you had a lot of R&B, you had a lot of soul, you had a lot of those acts, and, and that whole Philly sound is is so synonymous with the 60s, so that's really cool. Right. I think I see Tony going over some highlighted questions. Here. Yeah, you're finding another... He's, he's They're researching. not really questions, it's just stuff I highlighted. Can you yeah. think of questions from the highlighted notes you have there? Well, we were talking about the high school he went to and stuff a little while ago. Yeah. Something that I wanted to mention that hasn't, I don't think, been mentioned yet. I just had to step away and fix a camera, but of course you did. Um, fix a camera. No, um, <laughs> uh, the, the connection to Ral with Greece, mm -hmm. the, the musical, like he was kind of based on, or one of the characters in Greece was like based on him, or the guy who wrote it went to high school with Ral. I think is oh, 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 yeah. Jim, Jim Jacobs went to Taft High School with our dad. They actually, they played on the same uh, Little League team. Didn't they, Ralph? Wow. They, uh, the they may have, yeah. I don't remember. So, so um, yeah, so Jim Jacobs, uh, you know, went to Taft. It was, uh, they, were, they were there together in the late 50s. And, uh, you know, he, uh, how many years later in the 70s, he ends up writing uh, the play Grease, obviously before the movie was made. It was originally a play, and he based it on his life growing up in the late fifties, you know, uh, around that time, that era at Taft high school. And he was quoted later on uh, years later after the movie had come out, uh, they were talking about it. And uh, he was quoted as saying the dance scene where they're at the, the high school dance and then the band comes and plays, they're filming it on TV. It's live. The band, uh, the fictional band is called Johnny Casino and the gamblers. And in the movie it was played by Sha Na Na. Okay. So, but uh, he was quoted, Jim Jacobs was quoted as saying, I based Johnny Casino, he was basically based on Ral Donner. Ral used to play all the high school dances. His band would always play. He yeah. said, and he was so great. So he said, so basically Johnny Casino is Ral Donner. He's based on Ral Donner. So next time you, you kids watch that movie, Grease, 
you see Johnny yeah, Casino, nah, nah, that's playing the man. That's right. Yeah. So oh, it's man. not that big of a leap to make the assumption that your father is responsible for a lot of teenage pregnancies by performing at all those dances. <laughs> There's probably a lot of people alive right now that owe their cre their 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 being to two hopped up kids that are you know uh, a little frisky at the dance and they're hearing the right <laughs> the right music from the right guy or maybe the guy on stage winks at a, at a girl in the crowd and she grabs her boyfriend and they go back to whatever so all of that can be credited to your father which is like the best compliment ever if you think about it yeah it's too bad they didn't have uh Speakers in the back seats back then. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow, man. That's funny. Yeah, because that, I mean, talk about raunchy stuff. That original version of Grease that was played, it was at, what, Kingston Mines or something? They was the first place they performed it. I was reading up on it. And then I realized that, yeah, they, there was, it was pretty, pretty dirty, pretty, you know, right. <laughs> it was more adult oriented. It was like, oh, crazy high school kids and getting pregnant in the back of cars and things. And there was a lot more, you know, stuff to it. They, they cleaned that up pretty well for when it turned into a, a movie and they have, yeah. you know, John One Travolta. Of the most iconic movies of all time. Yeah. But yep. yeah, that place that, the birth of Greece started in Chicago at, you know, it, in, in another right. form and somebody caught, again, somebody yeah. caught it and they're like, we got to bring this to Broadway. Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> yeah. It all started at Taft high school with Jim Jacobs and Ralph Donner. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. So the rest is history. Again, for the kids out there listening and they want to know who Ralph Donner is like, that's, <laughs> I just love that there there's go. comments popping up and somebody's like, Oh yeah, I know so-and-so and they shared a locker with Ralph Donner in oh, no. high school. So there's people, <laughs> there's people messaging right now on, on the on the comment section here and it's great because it's stuff that they'll they'll have for the rest of their lives they'll always have those memories it's really cool yeah that's great <laughs> i love stuff that's like great that. hey we're taking questions from the from yeah. the gallery right yeah right? do we does anybody have a question they want to ask these guys Let's... let me scroll through here here we go i wish i was on this earlier hey rizzo you're doing that without a net <laughs> <clears throat> because an another thing to mention is there anything else in here there, uh, oh it was, margie's, well, it was margie's cousin that shared a locker oh that's so cool there you go nice hi margie <laughs> that's great and and i mean you guys obviously influenced you didn't get to spend too much time with him as a not to make it like take a dark turn or anything but he passed away when he was 41, so you didn't get to spend too, too much time with him, but you had you, you both had enough, just enough or a little bit of time with him, I, I remember, right. right? Oh, yeah. As far as, I mean, influences, you, you guys both perform and do, you know, a lot of old music, some of his music, Elvis, Beatles, all this, you know, that influence obviously is, is there for sure on both of you. And uh, there's, uh, you know, you guys have your own, you know, childhoods and bands that you were into. You guys were both in a band. If we want to like switch gears and talk about you guys, you know, your endeavors for a minute with doing the trash martini and the other bands that you guys have done together and the other music that, you know, right. Influences all of us. It's great. This, you know, classic old music and then the new music and how it all kind of melds together in our heads and our tastes and music. So 
Yeah, Eric, yeah, I, mean, now, I mean, tell us more about that, like just about how you started down your path with music yeah. and, and kind of how having a father that was well-known um, maybe gave you opportunities or opened up doors for you maybe. Yeah. Well, it got me out of a bunch of tickets, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, that's the it best compliment ever. Or I go to renew my license, I give it to him, like, come on, come to the front. That's right, I'll take care of you. <laughs> All right, it works. It happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, it was cool. I mean, you know, being kids, hearing them on the radio. Uh, yeah, I remember falling asleep in uh, mom and dad's bedroom. And this was... I don't know, maybe 1982, something like that. And Dick Biondi was always in Chicago, but then he moved to New York doing a show out there. And when he came back to Chicago, he was actually on B96. And it was all top 40. He'd be playing, you know, Van Halen and, you know, the rest. Yeah, before. And I'll never forget waking up and hearing this voice that I listened to every day coming out of the radio, coming from the living room. And it was the most surreal thing in the world. You know, I was, what, eight, nine years old, mm-hmm. whatever. And sure enough, I walked out and there's Biondi sitting there. They're just talking and just hearing somebody's voice like that, that you, you know, that you're so used to just coming out of a speaker and hearing it in person when you're a kid, is just like mind blowing. It's, it's like yeah, not that's real. A hell of a voice to hear too. Like that's a voice you hear from another right. room and you know it right away. I, I, I wasn't a kid. This was like three, four years ago. I'm, I'm, so I'm a kid. I'm still a big kid. So I was a kid. I could say, but we were at a like Blackhawks event for the, and they were, you know, the last few years talk about like, you know, up and there's a lot of excitement and they were sure. doing events and they've always done these, like add up, you go to a bar and they have the ice girls there and they're giving out free stuff. And we, they were out of tables. So me and Tony and another friend of ours, Marty, we're like, can we just like squeeze into a table somewhere? We're trying to figure this out, you know, pre COVID obviously. So we're, we're, and we sit next to Gene Honda who does the voice when you're at the stadium, oh, he's, yeah. the, the, he's the announcer yeah. and he does like, yeah, Chicago Blackhawks. And he does like, he's got a, <laughs> he's got like a distinctive voice. Yeah. Hey, that was pretty good, man. And he sits I down next to and he no effects, by the way. That's just <laughs> there was joke. no reverb. Yeah, I don't have anything on anything. the next yeah. And and he also does the White Sox too. So we it's like summertime he does White Sox, you know, wintertime he does and he's got a pretty good gig, or like the guy who does like the the national anthem and stuff. I've been around him a few times and it's yeah. jarring to hear his voice. But he's sitting <laughs> Gene Honda's sitting right next to me, like eating a sandwich, and we're and he's talking in his voice, and he's got that right. you know, voice like there, <laughs> there he like is in my yeah. Can I get a of mayo? The ketchup? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Ketchup, 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 ketchup. We've got some uh some more questions coming in. Absolutely. Uh Margie wanted to know if uh Let's see if uh, our dad ever went. Oh, wait, our dad or, or Ral Jr.? I'm not sure. If she, she's probably asking about our dad. Did he ever go to an Elvis concert? Ral? Uh, he did, yeah. <clears throat> he, uh, he saw Elvis. Uh, trying to think of where it was now. Uh, International Amphitheater, I, I believe. I was just talking to Aaron Jones about this. Actually, wait, Aaron Jones. Uh, oh, Aaron's uh, just coming. International Amphitheater, 1957, with the gold suit. You know, his famous gold suit. Elvis is, you know, <laughs> gold to me. A million people can't be wrong. Yeah. So he saw him there. And then uh, I've actually got, say, somewhere we've got a picture of him and everybody in Vegas at a table. Uh, he saw him in Vegas. I don't remember what year that was, though. Is that like on the Facebook page, maybe, too? 
We can pull it up there. No, no, I, I, no. I, that picture, we've got that packed away somewhere. It's that's your personal stash. You don't let right. that out. <laughs> yeah. And it comes in a, you know, the cardboard frame with the flip top nice. and you know, like, I guess oh, that's yeah, what they right. did. Walked around, took pictures of the tables and gave you the picture. But that's when cool. Elvis was in town in the seventies, uh, play Chicago stadium, he took my mom the first night and then the next night he went with his buddies or whatever. And Elvis had his guys call in the house and my mom answers the phone and obviously there's no cell phones then. So Elvis was trying to get him to come to the show, come to the after party, but he was out. He missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question for, t- for the two of you. Cause all the years I've, I've been seeing you guys perform and everything. Um, I guess Ralph being the older brother, what instrument were you drawn towards as a kid? What did you go to first? And then I guess same question for Eric. Well, first it was guitar. I used to beg my dad to teach me to play guitar. Yeah. But my hands were too small. <laughs> well, I was no, no jokes about that. Yeah. Yeah. They're still too small. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So then after that, after he died, I kind of lost interest, whatever. I, I mean, I got guitars, but there was really nobody to teach me. And it wasn't, there was no YouTube back then. Sure. So I went to drums in okay. eighth grade. So, and I used to air yeah. drum. I get you know, in school, they make you write sentences. I, I must have written 500,000 sentences. I will not play drums in class. <laughs> <laughs> it was the original Bart Simpson. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And the first song I ever learned air drumming was I Love It Loud from Kiss. Nice. And I'll never forget the first time I ever went with an Eric Carr song. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. First time I ever went to Guitar Center, I sat down behind a kit and I actually played it. I was like, holy crap, it worked. (laughs) 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 I played the song. I never touched drums before in my life. Then I was hammering my mom, like, come on, you got to give me a set. But talk about a great natural. Talk about a great decade for the two of them to grow up like watching rock music yeah and art rock i mean yeah there were a million things on mtv you could you could look at or emulate and and be inspired from so that's and perfect i think that's why the 80s has such a pull because it was yeah. like this crossover all these people that were around that you know were listening to old music and new music and you know you know you listen to the radio and that was the new stuff yeah but now it's now now it's an oldie with it it's an oldie now but you had oldies and new stuff all converging on sure and there was just so much to pull from and all those people were still touring like elvis was touring into the 70s and just you know you have eric did you go to drums too or were you drawn towards a different instrument first yeah well for me it was drums rel rel uh got the kit and uh and yeah, that was it for me, man. I sat right. down, you know, just, just like he did, he was able to sit down and play and, and somehow as a, as a much younger kid, I was a much, much younger kid, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, no, but I was, I was and, kids. and play as well, six, seven years old. Yeah. Um, and I was playing Kiss songs and Motley Crue and all that, um, which was crazy, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's like awesome. such a common old, thing where it. the older brother plays an instrument and the younger brother wants to follow in their footsteps yeah. or in dirt keep up with them that's cool yeah and then i kept playing and i eventually you know i be, uh i became again ral used to go see this band at the thirsty well called enough's enough and uh he uh he introduced me to that band and that was it for me man they, they <laughs> my, my all over. Band. and then years later i ended up playing with uh, their lead guitarist johnny monaco and then i ended up joining the band and touring all over with them so i stuck to drums for a long time and then you know later on started playing a little bit of guitar um and uh you know and, and i'd been singing 
you know, as a kid, you sing and, and stuff like that. But I mainly focused on drums, and then I started really getting into singing much much later. And then Ral and I started Trash Martini years later, and uh, we did that for for many years. Was that the and first band you guys was in were in together? What's that? Was that the first band you guys were in together for a long period of time? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, we we had done some stuff, like a couple shows here and there, like right. uh, uh, like we've done some oldie shows with uh, actually with some of our dad's old old uh, bandmates. Oh yeah. Uh, um, so we dumped some of that, but I mean, as far as a uh, a solid band that that you know play consistently for for years, Trash Martini yeah. was it. Um, and Johnny Monaco was the original guitar player for that. Um, he was in that band for years, and uh, you know we we uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, as you three well know. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably, uh, yeah, when we met all you guys. Right, yeah. Because right. we, yeah. I mean, we were doing show. Like, I was the sound guy, whatever I was doing, working for the sound company. And then we're just happening to, oh, we're going to do Trash Martini, you know, whatever is the, the band that I'm working with today, you know, for a wedding. And then we started doing, you know, some other events and weddings that you guys were involved in doing. And, um, and then, yeah, I got to know everybody. Or like Johnny was in what almost famous or whatever that band was called for a minute with uh, yeah yeah that was, that was trash. yeah that was one of the like he stepped aside and because he was playing with enough's enough and it was like a funny little tongue in cheek like I was almost <laughs> like I'm always like rubbing elbows with we were trying to see if we could get him on but we never I don't think we ever got I didn't him. hear yeah. it back but yeah. I waited till the last minute that's my so fault. Johnny if you're out there watching you're sorry you missed out on this fun conversation um, <laughs> but. Uh, Maybe maybe we'll do this to do a do a redux and get him on here. And, and I think when I started watching Trash Martini, I think Matt and Jet were in the in the uh, band. Yeah, and yeah, they came I, in, I was, uh, about three years into the band. Yeah, I was blown away the first time I heard these guys play. What impressed me most is how Eric and Raul switched from playing the guitar and one going on to the drums after the other one got off. Yeah, I've never seen that done in any band before. Definitely a unique concept of well, switching. I like that you guys kept your, yeah. your set list pretty fresh. You didn't do the same ones over and over. And I thought it was cool because I saw shows with Monaco and then I saw it without. But it, it gave the two of you more opportunities to do lead vocals, which was fun. Because it changes the whole sound of the band and it changes the energy. And it, yeah. it's fun to see different lineups and stuff. But it always was centered around you guys and, and being able to switch off and play different instruments and, and both play drums and sound totally different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was a blast. You know, I mean, when we first started, uh, let's see, we all we all played keyboards. Well, uh, Eric, myself, and Monaco yeah. all played keyboards and a couple different songs. Eric and I played drums. Um, yeah, just switching it up. And then later on with Jet and Matt, uh, I mean, we did the same thing. I played bass on a couple songs. Jet would play guitar. He'd sing a song. Matt would sing a song. Yeah, we all. Yeah, we had four lead singers. You know, everybody would would kind of get a. Yeah, and you had guys you know, did fun stuff on harmonies, and yeah, uh, there was always there was always just a lot of energy with the band, which I thought was fun. For you know, you go to see a band that plays that plays covers, and and sometimes it, you can tell it's the thirty eighth time they've played that song in three months, and then you go see a band like Trash Martini. It's always fun, and the crowd yeah. gets into it, and and I think that's why so many people like going out to those shows. It it was fun, and because both between Raul and Eric, because they were they were just happy to see you. It's like they just made me want to come back and more and see the next show, and yeah. it's like I enjoyed it. Yeah, and there we yeah, just we had, had a blast. Oh, it was great. Now we just had a question. Um, Somebody, uh, Laura Brock wants to know the name of the band that Eric played the drums for in high school. 
Oh. <laughs> oh okay, explain that uh, one now. He just wiped his brow. <laughs> I noticed that. It's like, oops. What? Let's premise this with Laura Brock as an old high school friend of Eric's. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice job, Tony. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it something we're allowed to say on television? Should I? <laughs> Eric still got his eyebrows raised. My, we didn't want to do too many insights. My jokes. first band was called. It was called Tongue in Cheek. Oh, nice. And and, and our my my old friend um, named the band, and it was kind of like it was like a, uh, a goopy spelling and, a, and an and it was almost like Guns and Roses, Tongue in Cheek. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, yeah, she. <laughs> I'm sure she was at a lot of those shows back in, in the high school days. She was there. Oh, Eric, what was the band? Because I remember we always joked about this, but we were at the same concert like 10 years before we knew each other, or maybe 15 years before we knew each other. But there was a concert at House of Blues. Lit was the band playing because they were on their probably their biggest tour at that point. And you were throwing your demo on stage or something? I remember. Yeah, I was. that's back when I was playing uh, with Johnny Monaco. Uh, okay. I think, and the band was called Low Tech at the time. Okay. Um, and yeah, I brought a demo because they. The I heard that the guys from Lit started their own label and they were right. signing bands there you go and i was a huge fan of lit loved them once every show and yep. i figured what the hell man i'm gonna it's general admission you can just try and work your way up to the stage so i went all the way up and i tossed it to the singer in the, in the middle of the show and uh i'm still waiting for that phone call man uh, <laughs> <laughs> just for the record i know both of these guys are really talented drummers they easily could have stepped in and elevated lit's game i know lit you're, well, not, pointing at us. you're not pointing at us you're pointing at the guys yeah, that are their, their original drummer passed away a ago, so I'm, I'm a jerk for saying <laughs> yeah. that but you no, know, no, no, I feel like the guy you guys were super talented drummers i felt like the drummer was the weakest link in that band just me personally yeah he did pass away i feel bad about that he, he yeah. died very young yeah um but I'll tell you, man, every time I went, I love that band so much. Every time I was at a show or I'd be listening to the CD, the whole time I'm going, God, they should just, I need to be their drummer. Yeah. They need yeah. to design yeah. no, I've been to two lit shows and, and they're, they're, again, that's just a fun band that, that they had, you know, they had their 15 minutes, but like they, they definitely were a band that seeing them live, you understood that they were, they were just a lot of fun. It wasn't oh, just one great. or two songs. Yeah. They, we they hung out great. with them at the uh, House of Blues Hotel. Nice. Um, one time they played. There's a story to go along with that, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll save that because edit that yeah. out. Save that for the dirty. <laughs> we'll, yeah, like like I said, we'll come back. We'll, oh. we'll get Johnny Monaco on, and we'll do some. We'll do a, we'll do like an after hours. We're gonna do a 20 second delay, and then if you guys say anything you want, yeah. can just, we'll, we'll just push well, a listen, button. No, no, this was uh, this was before Trash Martini days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we yeah. It involves somebody else. I don't know if they want us telling a story. So, well, there you go. Right. So you're you're being respectful. Yeah, you're. you're yeah. Good. See, it's good. Hey, it's got well, nothing to do with a mud shark. I just want to make that. <laughs> Going back to an old question. Uh, um, I'm just trying to scroll through these here. Um, Danny Burke. Back to our dad. Danny Burke wanted to know uh, who our dad's biggest influences were. Okay. Well, I mean, he grew up with. Uh, our, our uncle Ron, his older brother, was ten years older than him. So he, uh, you know, grew up listening to what his brother was listening to, and you know, his father, which was you know Russ Colombo, in uh, Al Jolson. You know, he used to he used to do Al Jolson impersonations when he was you know five years old or so, uh, stuff like that. But the one that really got him was Sinatra. Sinatra was his favorite singer. You know. 
but then, then rock and roll hit and it was all over. Yeah. You know, yeah. Then it was yeah. Elvis. Yeah. Everything. yeah. You hear the crickets or the, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then you talk again, talk about like the Jackie Wilson's and all the, that influence of all these other people that well, came just around. Think yeah. of all the people that you guys were mentioning earlier yeah. with the Jackie Wilson and the Sam cooks and, um, and little Richard and, and just all those guys, that was the first wave. So, you know, the influences for all of them had to have been so different than like, we're laughing and we're joking about lit or kiss or bands you grew up with. Like the, the, the menu was a lot smaller for, for somebody like Ral coming up. Right. And, and what was, Oh yeah. Did anything sound like that? And really there wasn't a lot that sounded like that at all. It was, it was, you know, the originality is what I think a lot of people respect. Yeah. I mean, Bill Haley, I mean, what can you say? He changed yeah. the world. Yep. Yeah. Rock, well, rock, Laura and rock, Rachel. Rock. Laura and Rachel want to know what our favorite songs are over dance. There you go. Yeah, that's a great question. Oh, that's tough. It's, that's it's tough. really tough. <clears throat> um, there's so I, many. I, I think I can speak for both of us. There's a song called "I Don't Need You." Um, that's incredible. In fact, um, a little story about that is um, we talked about Robert Plant being such a, a huge fan of our dads. In fact, um, we both met him back in the day, uh, literally the year they got inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame. I met him first. Ral wasn't there the first time. And when I met him that first time, uh, you know, Robert was, we were talking about our, you know, my dad's, our dad's, uh, music and a bunch of songs. And he was telling me about his record collection. He's got ultra, he's a huge vinyl collector, especially of our dads. And, uh, he's got, you know, super rare, uh, issues of the, of the vinyl in, and uh, he, was, he was really proud of but uh, the song I Don't Need You he literally was singing that song to me in his dressing room I'm listening to Robert wow. Plant sing this <laughs> how cool is that huh that's what life is all about man that's an experience wow yeah and see to all these clubs I play out there the reason I didn't go to that show is because I had a show of my own that night and I'm probably yes. a complete idiot for not canceling the show and going to hang out with Robert Plant <laughs> But I was a good boy and went and did my yeah, job. Tell, so then the yeah. following year, we went to go see uh, Page and Plant. And this time, Ral did come with. It was at the United Center. <clears throat> and this time, we actually got to meet Jimmy Page as well. But what did, so what did, Ral actually told, he apologized to Robert Plant for, miss, for missing the first time because he had to play a show. What did Robert say to you? <laughs> I don't remember. Wait, he said you were having a good time. Maybe, the spot. Next, maybe next time we're in town, oh, maybe right. I can come through and come to your show. <laughs> yeah, he said maybe he next said, time yeah, I come no through town. If you're playing, let me know. I'll come see your show. Yeah, I was just like dumbfounded. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I haven't gotten starstruck that many times in my life. I've met a bunch of famous people, but when you're standing there looking at uh, Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, and it was the same with Dion. Those are the three people that I was just like, oh, I can't believe I'm standing looking at you right now. <laughs> would you, you would know? you give up all the tickets you got out of, but to just like have more time with Robert Plant or have more of a like have him come see your band? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. that seems like more of a like, you know, the cops and stuff. You you're getting off on okay, speeding ticket, whatever you get. Yeah. But hey, listen, like, spend my license. Like Let's go. To have to have that connection and like, oh, your dad is this guy. Let me like take you under my wing and like, you know, embrace. What are you What are you doing? You're playing Kiss. Okay, let's go. See, you know, let's go see your band. You know, whatever. He's just interested in. Well, we're talking about hanging out with you. That's cool. Famous meetings, and I have to ask: Can you tell us about your opportunity to meet George Went when you guys were at Soldier Field? Dude, oh, that was <laughs> great, man. First of all, we're playing in the hallowed halls 
Yep. Soldier Field. I mean, that's enough. Again, that's enough right there. For all the ex-Bears in uh, all the the big wigs at Samsung. I, I think it was, was that the Nike. Samsung show or was it? Oh, Nike. Nike. Yeah, and Samsung was a whole different show. Corporate event. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead, Eric. Tell them about it. Oh, so, yeah, we got hired to do this corporate event. It was inside the halls of, of Soldier Field. The concourse, and, uh, yeah. Basic, yeah. So, basically, uh, you know, like he said, it was, it was for, like, the top 10, 20 um, big wigs in, in, in Nike. They brought them out. They gave them all jerseys, all stuff. They're hanging out with the Bears players. And then uh, we were the entertainment. But they hired George Went to do some comedy uh, beforehand. And they had – you guys can see this on our on our pages of the Trash Martini page. We got a great picture. They put up a, uh, a set, and it was – uh, the super fans from SNL, right? So it looks like the bar. They've got all the, the <laughs> bar food and the, and, the, and the steins of beer. And uh, so we asked George, when we talked to him, we asked him if he, if he wouldn't mind taking a picture. So he sat in the middle, we got around him, and we all held up. And, like, we were, you know, we were on the SNL set. And we yeah. got a picture with him. He was great. Man, I wish I would have grown my mustache out more. I had, <laughs> had a paste on one or something to, wow. to yeah, do a super man, fans. Was, yeah. That's I awesome. just remember yeah. I saw those guys at a show after they did that. And I got to say, like, they were like two kids on Christmas morning. Like, uh-huh. that was such a cool thing for them. And they put the yeah. picture up on Facebook. I remember that. And I was just like, yep. I don't get to say this a lot, but. I'm pretty jealous of you guys right now. That is pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still blown away that Leb Zeppelin wants to go to one of their shows. Donnie, that hasn't happened to you yet? I mean, that's a shame. I can't well, see. You know what? When we were we were backstage at the United Center, and we're, we're talking to Plant, and he tells somebody, uh, one of their people, and goes, hey, go get Jimmy. He's going to want to meet them. And I went... Eric and I looked at each Jimmy. other like, wait, the, 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 is, are we talking about the same Jimmy here? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, no, this is, and this is what happened. We're sitting there, we're talking to Robert, and then finally, Jimmy Page starts walking up. Wasn't he pushing a stroller? He had like a, no, well, that's a joke. I said, man, in the 70s, he's walking in with, you know, two girls on one arm and a bottle of Jack Daniels in the other. He had, and he walked in, I he had a stroller had, under one arm and like a bag under the other arm. It was Diaper funny. bag? There's no <laughs> shame in carrying a diaper bag. There's no shame in <laughs> that. But yeah. That's right. So, so, so Jimmy walks up. We, we, we see him. Robert goes, he goes, Paige, 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 Paige. Come here, come here. And he pulls him over. And he looks at us and he goes, gotta be, he goes, these are Ral Donna's kids. And Jimmy Page, I swear to God, his eyes, he went. Drops the diaper bag. And grabbed oh, our wow. hands and went, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, it's an honor no, to meet you. I'm like, it's an honor to meet us. you, Jimmy Page. You know you're Jimmy Page, right? Yeah. Every day that guy I mean, wakes he, up and he, he's, 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 he knows he's Jimmy Page. It's so cool. But, you know, you think I, I always go with the, you know, notion that those people are people too. Like they're our yeah. heroes and we love them. And like, they have heroes too. And they, they're, they probably appreciate it just as much. They're like, Oh my God, I met Ral's kids, you know, for, as we appreciate, like, Holy shit. I, well, here, I mean, at this point, Jimmy page has been Jimmy page for over 50 exactly. years. I mean, since the Yardbirds, yeah. he's been the guy. Right. So for him to immediately be taken back to a point where he was just a kid right. listening to music and it's their dad. It's pretty cool. That's where the, that's, yeah, that's pretty the cool. like yeah. common Puts thread back into that, you know, all had, into a, mm-hmm. in a room, you know, we all had a childhood. We all had, you know, music that we liked. We all, you know, mm-hmm. you know, appreciated like, you know, some of the stuff we've mentioned already, like kiss or green day or Beatles or other things that you guys were into when you were kids, that was not 
that was not your dad's music basically, yeah. but you know, or, or Elvis or something that sounded like that. You, you evolved and had your own like relationship with music and playing the drums and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot to, yeah, there's still a lot more to go over. Um, <laughs> guys, we apologize because we know it's Valentine's day and I know you guys want to do things. We got stuff we got to do. Um, we would love to have you back on. I know Joe and Tony were worried about this when they got here today. They're like, yeah. man, I don't think we're going to get to what we want to yeah, get we, to. We're, but we'll we're, try. Just, we're just scratching the surface, as they say on, yeah, the, we'll, on we'll the radio. Yeah. Appreciate so, you guys coming on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just want to get back. Did we answer Danny Burke's question? Yeah, did we, we answer that? Yeah. Uh, I don't need you. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously his hits. Uh, Godfather yeah. is a song he wrote. Uh, about the movie Godfather One, that's one of my favorites. He sings the end in Italian. It's a, it's amazing. Uh, he wrote that one and released it in '74. Uh, my heart sings, Love and Place. I just, I mean, I could go on and on. There's so many. Mm -hmm. uh, pray for me. He's one of those artists that you could go and start listening to his music. You, he's on. Thankfully, he's on like Spotify and stuff. Like we said, he yeah. doesn't have a lot of YouTube presence. Or there's some videos of people showing a picture and then they play the song. But he's got uh, greatest hits and a few compilations on mm -hmm. on Spotify. And it's to me, it's one of those things you just start listening to and you go, "Oh, there's another good song. There's another good song." Yeah. An hour later, and you're it's still hard going. To, it's yeah. hard to pick which one would be a favorite or like wow, this wasn't as big of a hit as that one. You know, you do all that. It's, yeah, it's it's hard to pick a favorite because they're all so good. But yeah. like I said, it, it, the, the one I've got my own favorite that every time you guys play it, I love it. And it puts a big smile on my face. I'm not going to say the title because I don't remember it. <laughs> I can never remember the titles of these songs. You're about I get seats. We don't actually I even topic. sing it in the car. You yeah. hum along to it. Or Are you talking about you don't know what you've got? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. sing it in the car. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> I'm glad you still hear that. Check what I said earlier. What's that? I fact checked what I said earlier about you don't know what, what it's like. I said the yeah. BGs. It's the song to love somebody. That's I what I right. said to love yeah. someone. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just singing a different one that had that line in it. I was right. I, hey. Yeah. Hey, watch, watch the movie 5050, and they use that song, and it's a great sequence. It's kind of a downer movie till the end, but they play that BG song. It's like the weirdest song to pick for like a downer moment, but yeah. I laugh every time it's on. Everybody at home, tell your Alexas. You can tell your Alexa to play Ral Donner, too. And she yep. play there you go. Yeah, except it's and hard to get elected to do it because you have to say Rawl. Rawl? Rawl? I do. I think, she's getting, I think she's getting better, though. I think I might have said Rawl one time. Yeah. So that Midwestern accent. You're gonna, my somebody needs, gotta a, make needs a hearing aid. I don't know. Called a Alexa corporate or whatever. Amazon. Yeah. You're pronouncing it my dad's name wrong. <laughs> oh, say it right. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks to everybody that tuned in on Facebook, by the Absolutely. way. Yeah. Yes. Guys, this was a huge, huge success. Oh, thank you. We yeah, appreciate we're going to have to have a part two on, on this thing, just for, for everything going on. Yeah. Like I said, oh, we, sure. we didn't even touch on, like, any of the stuff you guys have – You we, we touched on it a little bit, but, the you know, your guys' musical influences and – we all we all yeah. share so many you know cross, we crisscross so much with and anyone listening the the uh, like the beside the point podcast because uh, if you do have questions and we're scheduling uh, not just Eric and Ralph but anyone uh, if you have questions you can let us know and we can work it into the conversation you know and and we're happy to do that too so if yeah if you can either if these guys ever play some of the older stuff with the, together 
Go see the shows. I don't care what you're doing. Break break everything off. Just go to the shows. Cancel your plans. The two together. Send your kids to grandma's house. <laughs> the two together are amazing. And separate, you're, you're not going to regret either seeing Raul or Eric or both of them together. I the agree. shows are amazing. The older ones they've done is, is fantastic. Um, well, I'll tell you what. Everybody go check out Eric's schedule on his Facebook page, E-R-I-K Donner. <laughs> in uh yeah. as far as i go right now i'm just still live streaming uh from my facebook page twice a week tuesdays at nine and thursdays at eight i take uh requests live uh do whatever you want to hear yeah you it, mean some theme nights uh, neil diamond night went over huge elvis night went over huge uh other than that it's whatever you want to hear we'll do sinatra we'll do motley crew we'll do whatever yeah i'm gonna put together a blog post too and i have like you every all the links and stuff so if you go to perfect people watching this go to just go to btppod.com it'll we'll, i'll have some links and stuff up there after we're done with doing this but you know down the road but if you go to our facebook page again it's btp pod on facebook if you want to like our page and you'll see more you know interviews and you know chats we've done with people and yeah go see uh e-r-i-k eric donner on uh on facebook and as well as as well as ral's page and they have like they said they have they have some fun nights of you know playing music and hanging out so all right guys glad uh glad we could do this we finally we finally did it so you know we're raising a glass or i'll, I'll raise my purell because i don't yeah, know raising purell <laughs> to uh to Ral Downer Sr. and uh, his legacy and his and his two beautiful children that he uh, that have graced us with their presence. So thanks again, guys, thanks, for guys. for hanging out with us. There you go. There he is. <laughs> I love it. Look at that graphic. He did a little drop in with Ral, with uh, Ral Sr. That was great. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, guys. I'll see you guys again soon, too. Yeah, we'll see you around. All right, guys. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Take care. (laughs) Later.